to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Jed Brewer. Well, hello. With us all the way from up here in Tennessee, you be the magic of the internet as the younger. Happy New Year, everybody. Indeed. Happy New Year to our fine listeners. We record this on, actually, New Year's Day 2023. You're listening to it slightly after or way after. Probably not before. That's not how <laughs> podcasting works. So you're definitely watching, listening to this. In 2023 or beyond. So we do have some of your great questions lined up. We've got a fun show. But first, we wanted to declare a New Year's emergency. Oh, no. Not our normal kind of emergency. It's only we're recording this about 8 p.m. on the 1st. There's not been really time for Christians to do anything horrifying yet. Well, there's not been time for them to do it and us find out about it. That much we do. I'm sure they've done it. Yeah. (laughs) It is a Sunday after all. But uh, we wanted to use this time to look forward into 2023, maybe uh, things we think that the, the wider Christian and church world should try, maybe some things we should leave in 2022. Maybe we'll throw out some wild predictions and see if we can uh, score some, some points for prophecy. But uh, gentlemen, do we, have, do we have anywhere we'd like to start off with just maybe some things we hope for 2023 or hope not for 2023? Ooh. I'll tell you one is why don't churches try to do less talking on the internet and more caring about their actual community that they're placed in? That sounds hardly. That sounds hard. Probably not going to happen, is it? Yeah. Mm. I have had the thought recently that I'm not in a position in my life where I'm looking for a church, but if I was, I think one of the first questions I would have to the pastor would be, do any of you have Twitter accounts? (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. If so, that's not necessarily disqualifying. It's not as good as not, but I'm gonna need that handle. I'm gonna need to gonna need to read through the bio. I'm gonna, gonna have need to, to read through the replies. Gonna need to read through the likes. And then we'll see if I come back next week. Really good. I recently heard someone describe their romantic partner as being, and I quote, very offline. And you know what? That is mm. that is a lifestyle choice that I can fully support. Like, if if you're not sure that the internet is is a good fit for you, I think being very offline can be a great way to go. That's good. Yes. Now, in the context of relationship, that does work. There, that does present some challenges for how online the other partner is. Well, because it's yeah. one of those. How many like? Because this person made it. Instagram post about this and this person said it in the comments, they deleted the comment, but it got screenshotted and put on Twitter. Now this person did a TikTok thread about the Twitter and you, at some point your, your significant other may have you committed if you're too deep into that story and they don't know what any of these things are. Wow. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what is the most disturbing or upsetting costume that someone involved with the mega church comes out with this year that throws us for a loop. Okay, now this feels like a chance to get in on some, to put an early marker down on some predictions. So we've definitely, right. you know, we've seen the Flying Santa stuff. We we sure. went over the big mega church productions with Marvel characters, with Star Wars. Let's see what yeah, what's going to be floating the, drummers. Yeah, absolutely, you floating drummers. What's going to be that left field twenty twenty three? We we make it the the setting or the staging for either the Christmas pageant or some kind of liturgical drama. I've got it. Hit me. I know what's going to happen. Here's my prediction this year. Gentlemen, you guys are all steeped enough in film culture to know that, uh, there's a movie coming out this year called Oppenheimer. Oh yes. Indeed. About the, uh, the birth of the atomic bomb. Um, and I am predicting that some mega chat, megachurch pastor somewhere is going to have some atomic bomb themed sermon and there's going to be a practical effects mushroom cloud on the <laughs> stage of a megachurch in these united states of america absolutely now lee you say these united states and you're certainly almost almost certainly correct about that maybe not with the practical explosion effect but i wonder how many sermons in the fair city of oak ridge tennessee one of the homes <laughs> of the Manhattan Project. Around the time Oppenheimer's coming out, and that's getting a lot of play, how many tortured analogies Ugh. about the atomic process are going to be happening in this one little town? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's totally fair. Also, I I I just here's all I want out of Oppenheimer the movie is I want the scene where you know the first test goes off and he says you know I am become death destroyer of worlds and I want there to be somebody next to him who just does a big like Marvel comedy take and goes what did he say and then they just ba dum ba ba dum next scene <laughs> just like a real Joss Whedon quippy he's become what the destroyer of who <laughs> that's good that's good. You know who split the atom of your sin, Matt? Well, one thing we definitely don't want to leave in 2022, at least for those of us who are uh, speaking of the great state of Tennessee and some other uh, fan base around the world, a great year for college football for some of our beloved Tennessee volunteers. We were discussing before we got on here of uh, the weirdnesses of college football bowl games. For those of you who are international listeners or just don't really care about sports, um, so college football is a huge business. It makes billions of dollars in TV revenue up until literally this year. The people who played it could not legally get any of that money. And that's changing a little bit. Mm. But so there's a, a weird tension at the heart of college football where on one hand, it is this massive television entertainment property. On the other hand, a lot of the traditions are still from when one guy in 1920 was just like, I think we should run out this way. And they just have to do it that way forever. <laughs> yes. And very, very clear with uh, the college football bowls. Um, which are a amazing uh, cobbling together of uh, corruption and weird local customs and whatnot. Uh, they'll have like well said this the steak eating competition beforehand. There's one I don't think they do anymore. There used to be a bowl in Texas where they would literally have like the teams beforehand compete in rodeo events. For real? <laughs> Before someone was like, "Hey, is this the worst idea anyone's ever had?" But, uh, so there's a lot of pomp and circumstance and as, as Jed points out and Jed and Lee point out with the costumes, uh, one thing we know about the American church is they're running a little low on the bag of tricks. We're seeing a lot of things yeah. get recycled. So yeah. here's maybe something we could pull from. And Jed had a fine idea about if the pastor does a really good sermon, you do the, uh, Gatorade style bath, but with the baptismal water. Yeah. That, <laughs> yep. I like the idea of. As uh, the sermon ends, or maybe you know we've done the annou- we've done the worship set, we've done the announcements, we're going to the the passing of the peace, we're going to kind of that middle break part. Somebody doing the sideline reporter style thing where they're interviewing the worship pastor, like how do you think that first set wow. went? Sounds like they weren't really into the. <laughs> oh, that's good. The song that's very, is that what you good. did? You have a plan for that going in if they really didn't like the uh, the slow song, and he just has to answer the question as he walks to the back. You know, when we <laughs> we went to that bridge, I felt like we 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 really the BPM slowed down and I re- I really couldn't get the drummer to stay to keep pace with us. We really got to work on that in uh, set number two. <laughs> Matt, I also like the idea of, of a speed eating of communion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The series of like pre, uh, pre there's the actual service. There's pre service competitions in the same way that there's going to be a football game. But we're almost on making them do the eating contest. Like we have the worship team versus the youth team. <laughs> and this weird physical challenge for some reason. Fantastic. Oh, There's there you go. A- That's a good theme that the megachurch has not ruined yet. 90s Nickelodeon game shows. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Faith yeah. is the true double dare. Oh, that's very good. That's very good. <laughs> you can't do that on... Instead of television, what's going to be the replacement right there? I mean, do you remember the show be- you can't do them... T- in reality, oh, yeah, it should yeah. be you can't do that on Facebook, and that should be the series, the sermon series. Yes, but... that's it. That's it. You get slimed if you yeah. make too many political comments. Yes, yes. They just randomly slime somebody in the congregation that doesn't realize they they broke the rules on Facebook last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I I'm not gonna lie. I would show up for that church. That no, that no would doubt. be amazing. I would even be entertained by the budget meeting where slime is a line item. And they have to explain that to the the new person who's in the meeting, the new guy to the elder board. What, what is can we twelve thousand dollars? What does slime stand for? It doesn't stand for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to see the the term super sloppy get used to conjunction really with anything at church. That you know, I mean, super sloppy double dare was uh, a mainstay of my childhood. So if we could have you know. Super sloppy worship set. That'd be great. We had to climb through the giant nose. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You got it. Well, as I recall, you can't do that on television. I forget what the word was, but there was some trigger word for the sliming. 
And I feel yeah. like that with a series wow. of Christian cliches, like we're going to let the new, we're going to let the new associate pastor do the prayer at the beginning of the service, but he only gets one father God and the second one <laughs> sliming. He gets slimed. He gets slimed. <laughs> Well, I love where this is going. The other thing we could add in is in the spirit of Pee Wee's Playhouse, there could be a word of the day. Uh And if, uh, you know, whoever is giving the the homily that day, if they if they trip over the word of the day, you know, every the band just busts out, you know, the lights come up, just the whole thing like that. But the key thing is to do it right. Whoever speaking can't know what the word of the day is. That's right. So it truly is. Yeah, exactly. And 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 a chair comes to life and just eats you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just a wingback arm like a, a wingback armchair just starts sliding across the stage to gobble yes. up this associate pastor. And Morpheus is there as I think this is the right name, Cowboy Curtis. That's wow. a deep pull. I think that is correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched a lot of TV when I was a kid, y'all. And the fun thing as about well watching a lot of TV when we were kids is there weren't that many shows, so yeah. you all learned the same thing. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the little poem thing that Jambi did. So something like the, uh, you know, the when they do a responsive reading, but it starts out with Mecca, Lecca, High, Mecca, High, Mecca, <laughs> which would be confusing. Not that Mecca. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As you're searching to to briefly go back to the bowl game thing for a second, I'm sure there's a term for this, but you know how like before like the big games, like they'll do the kind of the video montage where all the players introduce themselves and they sound real tough and they talk, you know, so-and-so and and here's where I, you know, went to high school or whatever. Like I would love a video montage of that where like the pastoral staff for that week does kind of their, they say their name in real tough guy thing. And, you know, I don't know where they went to elementary school, but I, I, I think fully kind of aping the intro of a high budget college bowl game wow, for the dude. Sunday morning worship service. I think that'd full, be pretty full, epic. Full graphics package and everything. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Stats. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sermon sermons preached this year. Total sermon minutes this year, you know, soul saved yeah. <laughs> conversions, baptisms. Yes. Yes. Weddings. Sermon analogy attempts, sermon analogy completions. <laughs> yes. What's yes. the percentage? Total scriptures referenced to date. Wow. Yeah. Number of times he got lost in his notes because of things happening in the room. That's kind of your sack stat. Yeah. I just in, I just laughed very much inside my own head because there's a there's a quarterback stat called QBR. So I just thought it would for pastors it would be PBR, and then I just I laughed. mean yeah. <laughs> Depending on the type of church you're trying to plant, well that could really go one way or the other. Also, and I will close out on this thought. Um, it how long until a mega church sponsors a college bowl game at some point? Whoa. <laughs> they got the money, Matt. Like, if you're trying to buy public favor, which is what sponsorship is, and Lord knows they could use some of it at this point. Yeah, I kind of spread. There's like 18 bowl games in the state of Texas. I'm kind of surprised this hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. Where does the word bowl come from in that thing? You you were stating all this kind of hails from the 1920s. That's is it just the idea question. that the stadiums were shaped like bowls, or was it the trophy or something like that? That's such an odd thing that we've just we just don't even question. Which, you know, the American church is full of these types <laughs> of things. Let's see. I'm doing everybody's favorite thing, which is real-time Googling. Well, as, as Matt Googles, here's, here's a question. If you could pick one celebrity pastor that's going to sponsor their own bowl game, but kind of their public persona infuses the way everything's done, which one would be the most hilarious? Wow. Because, like, I think... You know, Joel Osteen's O-Bowl, that, that could be good. That could be good. But there's there's other options, too, man. We're, you know, we, we've got our, our pick of the litter. I can see Driscoll trying to get some public favor back. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Literally, one of the bowl games this year was sponsored by a company who has made their face man, Tim Tebow. And that's okay. pretty dang close yeah. to exactly what you're asking. 
Yeah, that is very. Yet again, I think my favorite ongoing uh, part of the emergency statement, uh, emergency segment, is we get weirder and weirder and weirder until we land on something the church has already done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The T bowl is not bad as a pun. Yeah. And a thing. Uh, it turns out, and this is uh, not a hilarious answer, the term, according to Wikipedia, which can't be wrong, the term bowl originated from the Rose Bowl Stadium, the site of the first postseason college football games. The Rose Bowl, in turn, takes its name from the bowl-shaped design of the Yale Bowl, the prototype of many sta- football stadiums in the United States. Wow. So, yes, it is literally just refer- referring to the to the, the shape of the stadium. All right. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Osteen Bowl... Well, I think there's also because all these bowls because they're very expensive ventures, so they all have like um, secondary sponsors and game sponsors. So it's the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, brought to you by AT and T or whatever. Uh, yeah. So I think there's a way for Osteen to get some kind of co sponsorship with like Crest. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Joel Osteen O Bowl, brought to you by Crest Whitening Strips. There you go. Wow. Yeah, yeah. A little co sponsorship there. I love and, it. What and it's got to be some local plumbing company as well, right? At this point, <laughs> yeah, of course. Based on the amount of money that's are in the walls of their toilets. <laughs> the found yeah. that we found twenty grand in the wall bowl, sponsored by Joel Osteen, <laughs> presented by Crest White Strips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, I think that's the one. What a way to start off the year! And as ever, um, the way we st- we start off twenty twenty three is we end twenty twenty two trying to find a joke dumber than something people have already done and not being entirely successful. But we did <laughs> offer several helpful hints as we will continue to do our best to do. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us or you can scroll down to your episode description, click the links you find there. Our first question comes in and says, people say the new year is a good time for a fresh start. That sounds good to me, but I don't really know how to do it. I think it's a really fantastic question. The idea of a fresh start is definitely something that is is around is in the air uh, in new year's time, certainly, but it's also, I think it's thrown around a lot in Christian circles and not uh, unrightly. It's certainly an idea that comes up uh, in the teachings of the new Testament, the idea of uh, being a new creation of starting over, but uh, to totally uh, start things over is, is a tall order. And that starting over may be a little different than the, you know, new year, new me starting over, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing in that. But Jed, if we don't, if we can't imagine what a new start would be, what's a place we can get started? It's a great question, man. So let's begin with kind of a simple idea, which is that most of us, much of the time, are kind of tempted in, in, in a non-religious sense, are tempted to be on autopilot in our lives. Mm. We kind of do the same things we've always done. We go to the same places we've always gone. We hang with the same people we've always hung with. Um, you know, I mean, there's something about just the human experience and the human mind where left to our own devices, we just kind of keep, keep rinse and repeat with almost everything in our lives. And if we're lucky, um, some of that stuff's really positive. And if we're not lucky, some of that stuff's really negative, but either way, we don't really notice cause we're just kind of on autopilot. So we just keep on, on rocking. And so if we want a fresh start, I think one of the most powerful things that we can do is to begin to take an inventory of our lives, right? And so there's a phrase, and it actually comes from the world of addiction recovery, but you don't have to be in any form of addiction recovery for it to be useful. The phrase is people, places, and things. And the idea behind people, places, and things is that kind of defines your life, right? The, The people that you spend time with, the places that you go, and the things that you do when you get there, that that's kind of your life. So if you want a fresh start, or if you think you might want a fresh start, looking at people and places and things is a great way to do that. So kind of, you know, take out a piece of paper or sit, sit down at your computer and start thinking through who are the people I spend my time with? And then where are the places that I go? And then what are the things that I do? And I don't think it'll actually take you all that long to do this because most of us have a lot of repetition in our lives. We kind of have the same stuff again and again. But now here's the part that really, really matters is once you've made that list, kind of go through, and I want you to ask a question that's going to sound kind of selfish, but you you need to, is this thing serving me? 
Mm. This relationship, is this still serving me? Is this making my life better? Is this making me more into the person that I want to be? This place that I go, is that helping me to be the person that I want to be? And I don't mean in this, like, you've got a, you know, the, the best version of yourself that, you know, runs a million miles a day and all that jazz. I just mean, like, there's a kind of person that you'd like to be. And is, is this moving you in that direction? You know, you're, the people, the places, the things that I do. Is this, is this the kind of person, is this the kind of life that, that I want to live? And, and again, um, just kind of being honest with yourself. And if there are things on that list where you're like, actually, yeah, like I, this feels like the kind of me I want to be. This feels like the kind of person I want to grow into. Then I think it's about asking, would it make sense for me to invest a little bit more? in that relationship or in that activity or in that environment and setting? Is there a way for me to increase what I put in so that I can increase what I get back out in that person or place or thing? But then the other half is also really important, which is to say, you know, I'm going through my people and places and things. I'm going through my list. I'm saying, does this thing serve me? When you have something like, not really, like, I don't, I don't really like who I am around these other folks. I don't really mm. like who I am in this environment. I don't really, I don't think that's, that's me. Then the question is, is there a way to reduce the amount of investment that you're putting into that? Is yeah. there a way to, to re, to reduce how much of a, an impact that is in your life to reduce the level of relationship that that is, or the amount of time you spend in that activity or the amount of exposure you have to that environment for pretty much all of us, our lives are a combination of people and places and things. And a phrase we've used on the show before that really matters here is this idea of opportunity cost. You only have 24 hours in the day. You only have so much time and money and emotional energy and brain power. And so if you spend it on one thing, you're not spending it on something else. And so one of the most powerful things you can do is to grow in how intentional, which is ordering me looking at a little bit more later, how intentional you want to be about where you're spending your time and your money and your emotional energy and your relational energy and all of that good stuff. And I think that if you do that kind of inventory and you find the things that you want to invest more in and you find the things you want to invest less in, and then you begin to follow through on that, I think you're going to really, really like the results. One more quick idea. The idea of like, I, I, it's a time for a fresh start. A new you is always built one decision at a time. Mm. There's no such thing as just, I'm waving a wand with one grand gesture. Now everything is different. A new you is all, in human terms, a new you is always built one decision at a time. And this kind of thing of, of taking an inventory and going through and saying what serves me, what doesn't, is a really good way to find practical ways to keep making the next decision on becoming the new you that you want to be which is something that all of us need. Absolutely right. Uh, new for 2023 on the set podcast, foreshadowing. Aha! That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, Lee, Jed gives a lot of great stuff there. And one of the things I like is it worked, it's true of the addiction recovery aspect of people's places and things, but I think it really works in this context too, is that is very tangible. It's very doable. It's very uh, able to, it, these are all things you can put your, put your hands on in a certain uh, way. Because I wonder if one of the things that people disconnect from the idea of a clean slate or a new start or whatever is it just seems really big and nebulous. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the things we need to address here. Absolutely. I think that one of the things that happens, and, and this happens to people at the beginning of the year a lot, um, is that they, it's really easy to get super overwhelmed and to kind of sign on to changing everything about your life. Like, okay. Everything I'm exposed to online, everything that I'm seeing in ads, everything I'm seeing on, you know, on television, you know, I'm watching a show on Hulu, all the ads are about, about change and New Year's resolutions, and everybody's making them, and everybody's getting a six-pack, and, and they're changing their style. And, and it would be easy to look at that and say, okay, it's going to start. January 1st, I am going to, I'm going to uh, only eat healthy, and I'm going to uh, hit the gym every day, and I'm going to get a new... Uh, style of clothes, and I'm going to uh, start reading biographies, uh, you know, every evening before I go to bed, and I'm going to make art and open a small business. And it's just like, I'm going to change everything about my life today. 
in all aspects of everything about who I am, I'm going to change all of it right now. And the, the piece of advice that I would have is making a decision like that would be extremely overwhelming and it's going to lead to a crash and burn. But people tend to think about themselves in, in that way of like, I've got to overhaul all of this right now. And what I would say is when you take that inventory, I, I love the advice that Jed gave. I completely agree with all of it. And when you do that, people places things in inventory. One of the really important, uh, you know, aspects of, of having a successful turnover and what Jed's talking about is prioritizing some things, deciding what is the most important thing for me to focus on. I'm not going to overhaul everything in my life on January 1st, 2023, or in the first month of this year. So what is, what is, what are one or two things that I could look at that I really need to focus on that I, I really think would make the biggest change. The things that, just as Jed said, the things that give me the most life or the things that sap the most energy and, and, you know, and, and, and are hurting me the most. The very next step that I would take if I was going to make changes in those areas is I would think through my life and my contacts. And I would think, do I know anybody that I trust as an expert in this thing that I need to make some changes in? Is there anybody in my life that like is a standout as far as like, this person knows their stuff about whatever it is, time management, about budgeting, about wh whatever the thing is that, that you need, that you've decided, you've done some triage and you've decided this is the thing that's priority one for me in January. Um, do I have any contacts that would be, that I would consider to be an expert on that? By the way, if the answer to that is absolutely not, I, I have a small community. I don't know of any experts on that. Please reach out, reach back out to us. We would love to help you find somebody that, that you could, um, a, a resource that you could go to. So uh, just as Jed's saying, do the people, the people places things inventory, and then do the step of, of doing some prioritization of, of that list. What's the most important thing you need to focus on right now so you don't get, so you don't get overwhelmed. Then see if there's anybody in your life that you could turn to as an expert on that and ask their advice that you trust. Last thing I want to throw onto the end is put some energy this year into discovering something that you purely enjoy. Yeah. Just absolutely enjoy. Maybe for you, that is a, a, a new kind of hobby or a new kind of craft. Um, like, uh, my wife has recently discovered that she enjoys cross-stitching and she likes, she likes cross-stitching. She likes making beautiful things. She likes the slower pace of that process and the fact that it gives her, it, it just physically gives her peace. And we, this is not for everybody, but two years ago, we, um, we adopted a dog from a shelter. We love our dog. We love petting her. Like literally what my wife says is when I pet the dog, I feel serotonin releasing in my brain. Like I Aww. feel better when I pet the dog. Um, I'm not saying a dog is for everybody or a cat or whatever. What I'm saying is look, start putting some energy this year into looking for something that you purely enjoy. You just love it. Maybe your thing is you want the fanciest version of Neil Gaiman's Sandman comic. And you just want to read the heck out of that. Just the most beautiful volume of Sandman. Like great. Whatever the thing is, if it's, if it's comic books, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's, you know, some author, if it's some, you know, streaming service, I've got a great friend this year who said, I finally did it. I, I, I gave in and I'm, I, I've got a subscription to Crunchyroll because he said, yeah. I just love, I love anime and I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines waiting for them to pop up on the, you know, the streaming services that my parents have. He's like, I got my own job. I got my own money. I'm a crunchy roll subscriber. I'm like, good for you, bro. That's fantastic. This year, let's, let's put some energy into finding something that you purely enjoy. You don't have to defend it, why you like it. You don't have to, there don't have to be any reasons. Whatever the thing is for you, if it's beekeeping, I don't care what it is, but like your thing, your thing that just gives you some peace, some joy. And I think, we, I think if we put some of these things in place, you're going to find this is going to be a completely different experience this year. It's all fantastic stuff. Yes, we, we cannot vouch for the particulars of 
uh, canines or uh, anime on your particular situation, but find your own anime, your own crunchy role that lives within you. And that desires to be sated. That's excellent advice from both of these guys. One thing I'll add on the end here, and I think it adds to the, the kind of overwhelming feeling of all this is the idea that you have to nail it round one out. Um, maybe you get your hundred roll subscription. You look at it like, Nope, I really just liked the one. Um, the rest of this isn't for me. Then you can try something else. It's fine to try stuff. It's yep. it, the, it's a good thing. It, one of the, nice things about the idea of a clean slate is you get to just try stuff. You've never been, you never consider yourself an artistic person, but you get in a drawing app for your iPads or drawing around. You've never been musical. Try something. You may crash and burn on it, but the, this, the act of trying something you didn't think you would try or trying something as Lee was saying with the, with the country example that you kind of have always dug, but never really got into as much as you'd like to that can just that can have a huge mental impact of just hey I'm trying new stuff it didn't all the way work out right. but uh, it is it is different than I have been doing and sometimes that is is of an, in and of itself a helpful helpful thing to do move on to our next question here it came in and says 2022 was a rough year and it took a lot out of me how do I actually make 2023 better I, I like this question a lot and I think it kind of piggybacks on the last one because um, while the new year can be a an opportunity to do something new, to do some do something different, to do something better. There's that's by no means automatically going to happen. Sometimes yeah. you know, your problems and your issues can just roll through if you let them. So, Jed, where do we start off with the idea of actually putting our foot in the ground and deciding we want to make 2023 better than 2022 was? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one thing that definitely deserves to be acknowledged is if you feel a little gun shy of like, I'm not sure about optimism. That makes sense. Like 2020 was a terrible year. And I think a lot of us like 2021 is going to be better, man. And then, then it was 2021, which is not great. Like, okay, but 2022 is going to be my year. (laughs) And it, it was what it was. So like, if you're like, I I don't really want to make any bold declarations. That's, that's cool that I get that. So, but to answer your question, let's go in the opposite direction. Let's do a thought experiment for a second. That's about to be dark and morbid and heavy, but that's kind of the point. If you knew 2023, was going to be your last year on planet earth. What would you do? Mm. This is it. It's all you got. You're, you're going to home to glory by the end of this year. What are you, what are you going to do? It's okay. If your answer is, I have no idea. Think about it. Right. Think about it. My guess is that as you think about it, you're going to find a few things. You're going to find that there's some stuff that you've always wanted to do just because you've always wanted to do it. Um, and that that could be things that are, you know, relatively simple. Like, you know, I, I always wanted to, to go for a, a nice long hike and I never got around to it. It could be something, you know, way more involved. I always wanted to go see the Parthenon. Um, my guess is that there's probably some relationshipy kind of stuff in there of like, you know, conversations that you've always meant to have um, in terms of, you know, sharing your heart with people, but you never quite got around to it. Um, My guess is that there um, might be some just purely fun things in there. Like uh, for me, it would definitely be that there are kinds of nachos that I've never had. And I feel like I, I owe it to myself to make sure that a certain amount of nacho enjoyment happens. But as you think through, as you take time, and it's okay if your initial response is, I don't, I don't know, but but think through because there are, doubtlessly, there are things that, that you would want to do. My question is, why not just start doing some of those things this year? Nobody knows how long they have on planet Earth. And we, for what it's worth, we hope that you got another thousand years here. But how about you do some of those things this year? Because here's, here's why this is important. The last few years have been a strong temptation for everybody to live in survival mode, to live in a constant mode of, look, we just, we've got to get by. We're going to hunker down and we just got to get by. And nobody can do that forever. Nobody can just be in pure survival mode forever. And in a, a way that is kind of paradoxical, to use a fancy word, Part of the strength that you need to deal with the rough stuff is going to be had by giving yourself permission to do things that aren't survival. Let me say that again. You need strength to be in survival mode because it's hard to be in survival mode. And 
Unfortunately, part of 2023 will be dealing with hard stuff because that's true every year. But part of the way that we get strength to deal with hard times is by making sure that there are some fun times and some good times in there too, right? It says in the Bible that the joy of the Lord will be your strength, which I absolutely believe. I think we can generalize that out, that actually joy is a source of strength just overall. Um, the, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Dude, the joy of the nachos will also be your strength. <laughs> like, for real, um, the, the, the joy of going for that hike that you've been putting off will be your strength. The joy of calling up that friend who is always so kind to you and you meant to tell them and you never got around to it. And you're finally going to call and be vulnerable and just say, hey, man, thanks for all the ways you were cool to me. I really appreciate it. That joy will be your strength. And the joy of signing up for the Crunchyroll account and getting into some cool anime, that will be your strength. Joy is an incredible source of strength. And there are going to be some hard times in 2023, but we need strength to face it. And if we need strength, then we need joy. We need something that's putting gas back in our tank, that's putting morale back in our hearts and in our minds. And so to go all the way back to, the, to where we began, take some time to think. If you knew this was your last shot in 2023, what are the things that you would do? And then start putting some creativity and some courage into finding ways to begin to hook those things up. You don't have to do every single one. You don't have to do them all at once. You certainly don't have to do the one that would require a million dollars if you don't have a million dollars. But almost certainly, you can do some of the things that are on that list. And I think as you begin to do those things, you're going to find yourself feeling more hopeful because you're living into a life that you feel better about. Absolutely right. I really like everything Jed said there. And I now would like one of our 2023 projects to be a feature film where Jed goes on a worldwide journey of self-fulfillment via nachos yeah. something along the lines of eat pray crunch <laughs> dude i was picturing jeb with a bandolier filled with different flavors of mountain dew yeah that's right that's yeah. right you got it you've got it exactly right yeah, just a that's... chewbacca style bandolier <laughs> <laughs> just you gotta find the right pairing that's critical to the enjoyment process absolutely dude Sir, I don't know what you mean by what vintage of Mountain Dew do we have. I'd like you to leave now. <laughs> uh, but also, on the answer to the actual question, a lot of great stuff there. And Lee, what would we have to add on to that? Um, that was fantastic. It's it's such such great advice. I, I think for me, when I when I think about what's the most critical, I, I thought about this in terms of my own children. My my children are getting older, and and one's actually already left the house, gone off to college. And I was thinking about what advice would I give her if she were to ask you know, what's the number one thing that you would tell me to make this a better year? Um, this is my answer to this kind of goes back to not kind of, it, it goes back to something that Jed laid down for us in the first, uh, response, the first question, but I would, um, I would take a real hard, courageous look at the relationships in your life. And I would ask two questions. These are the two questions. Who brought drama into my life. Okay. Number one. And then who brought encouragement into my life and fun. So, uh, I think the number one thing that would change this year from last year is to take a real good, hard, honest, and, and I'm going to steal Jed's word of courageous, courageous look at your relationships and be willing to, to do the work of saying, I I need to um I I might need to set up some boundaries against this person that constantly brings drama into my life. Um maybe I have to cut them out completely, maybe I need to reduce the the footprint of them in my life, definitely their influence and their their, you know, you know, their their ability to impact my emotional state, my psychological state. But also I need to look at look back at my life and look back at my relationships and this might just be a healthy thing for anybody to do. Because what if I don't know the answer to the second question? What relationship, who in my life brings me the most encouragement? Like who just, who do I feel the best after I've hung out with them? Well, yeah, man. why wouldn't I hang out with them more? Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't I put some more effort and some more energy and intentionality into that relationship? I think that could have a massive impact on what this year looks like. If we could have the courage to say, there are a couple relationships in my life that bring nothing but drama. 
I need to reduce the footprint of those relationships. And man, when I hang out with so-and-so, I just walk away feeling good. I feel lighthearted. I feel, I feel like I have a clear head. I feel good about me. They always make me feel, you know, good about who I am. And I want to put some more energy into that relationship. It's, it's a simple piece of advice. I think it's a whole, whole lot harder to do than it is for me to say out loud. But man, I believe that would have a huge impact on what this year is like. I totally agree. I think that's also a really fantastic way to take that. The other thing, and sometimes it's a similar thing, and Lee speaks to it there, is when I think when a lot of folks think New Year's, think they think addition, they think I want to do this and more and more and more. There's a lot that can be done by subtraction in some ways. Maybe that's relationships. Maybe that's just stuff. Maybe that's certain kind of feelings and stuff. I feel like in 2022, I dealt with a lot of other people's drama, a lot of people's expectations, or a lot of uh, this, that, and the other people put on me. And a, a great way to, and one of the joys of getting to a clean slate is letting go of everything that you don't feel like is serving you and starting at that place. And sometimes it can be a little easier to think in terms of letting go than adding. So if that's a helpful mindset to start with, that can be a great place to to jump in as well. Move on to our final question here. Comes in anonymously and says, how can I healthily manage stress? Just reminding myself, God's got this has not really led to much peace. And a, another great question. And Jed, I think the idea of God's got this, of, you know, fear not, of all that is, it's one of those things where it is right, but the context in which that advice is given is almost always somewhere between dismissive at worst and incomplete at best. Yeah. So how do we go about maybe even from the standpoint of that being true, onboarding that into a way that we can actually do something with it that makes us feel better? Well, uh, it's a fantastic question and a fantastic setup. Let me suggest to you the way in which I believe God has this in your life. God has this in your life in that God would love for you to do things that reduce your stress level. Um, it is very rare that God's basic direction to us is be in this difficult situation and take no practical steps to address it. That's pretty unlikely to be the Lord's leading. Um, and so I think that God's got this is true in a sense. And um, so like as an example, right, like one of the things that can be helpful with managing stress is to talk to your doctor and to talk to a licensed counselor. And one of the ways that God can help you with your stress is giving you the courage to go talk to people who can help you with it. Um, it's, it can be a scary thing to talk to a doctor if that's not something you're used to doing. It can be a scary thing to talk to a therapist if that's not something you're used to doing. And when things are scary, we need courage, and God wants to give you courage. And that's one of the ways that God wants to help you handle a stressful situation. We definitely don't want to use a spiritualized blanket to avoid taking steps that would help. Um, right. There are steps that would help. We want you to take them. I'm confident in saying God wants you to take them. So let's dig into that a little bit. I think the number one thing to me is give yourself permission to do what works for you. If you were to Google, how do I manage my stress? And you were to go to, you know, reputable websites, you know, like the Mayo Clinic and whatnot. What you find in general is there's four or five things that come up a lot that are basically the same everywhere. Um, there's, if you, and, and if you talk to a GP, they, I think they'd probably say very similar things, which is get enough sleep, drink plenty of water, um, get, you know, regular exercise, um, you know, consider things like mindfulness meditation, um, or things that, that occupy your brain, like coloring books and that kind of thing. Things that help you laugh can be very effective. Make sure that you have regular time with friends and loved ones that can help you feel supported and connected. Um, and again, to be clear, I am not a doctor. I'm not a counselor. I'm, I'm just a dude. Um, in my experience, all those things are good. How well each one of those things works for you probably depends a little bit on you. And that's totally cool. 
you know, you might have a friend where like adult coloring books are like a huge thing and they love them and they totally help them, you know, de-stress and, and unplug and whatnot. And maybe it just doesn't work for you at all. That's fine. It It's really cool for there to be different strokes for different folks. That's That's no problem. But I think you'll need to try some things because um, while there is some general guidance, what works for you is going to be a little bit different in how it plays out than, than what works for other people. And that's totally cool. That's totally normal. So trying things is going to be a big part of it. Here's the other thing, though, that's really critical. And I think this is one of those moments where a lot of the well-intentioned church advice can go in the wrong direction is – it's not going to work to just stay in a super high stress situation indefinitely that that's not going to work. And the, the authority that we can turn to on that is actually the U S military. They put people who work for them in very stressful situations and they are aware I can't keep someone in a war zone perpetually. Soldiers have to come back out of this extremely high stress environment and decompress a bit in order for the army to keep working. If that's true for literal soldiers, it's it's actually true for you as well. And so I think it's worth looking at, are you trying to find a way to make an untenable situation work? Are you trying to find a way to make an overwhelmingly stressful situation kind of semi-magically be something that's sustainable? Because that's actually not a great goal. Life is going to involve a certain amount of stress, and some seasons are going to involve more stress than others. But there is a point where we feel like we are in a war zone. And if we feel that way, we need to be aware we can't stay there forever. We can't just in perpetuity remain in this sauna of stress. And the idea that God's got it, so it's cool, that doesn't change your bottom line limitations. It doesn't change the fact that you don't have the capacity to just remain in that indefinitely. And so coping mechanisms are good. We want to find coping mechanisms that help and that help you. We also need to be realistic about our own limitations. And a big part of addressing that is if you're not sure how sustainable or not your situation is, that's a great thing to talk with a professional about um, and and get into how – how stressful of a situation am I dealing with? And then be able to look again with some guidance of are there things that I can changes I can make that would lower the stress level, not just that would help me cope with stress better, but that would lower the stress level. Right. So like Lee brought up, do you have a a relationship in your life? That's nonstop drama. Can we just let that relationship go? Because if you've got, you know, a hundred units of stress that you need to try and find a way to deal with. If we can go from a hundred units of stress, you've got to process to like, you know, 80 in one felled swoop, that's going to make managing your stress a heck of a lot easier. All all those coping mechanisms are going to go way, way farther because they've got less work to do. So let's find a way to be realistic about the amount of stress that we're trying to engage with. Let's find someone who can help us navigate that. And let's look for, in addition to coping mechanisms, what are the changes we can make that reduce the amount of stress that we are trying to process? That's all fantastic advice there. Also a fantastic possible business idea. I think we could sell the sauna of stress to like (laughs) a high achiever LinkedIn posting business pros. Yeah. Like start your day with stress, get in the sauna. (laughs) It'll unlock business creativity or whatever. Matt, that is such an actual good idea that could actually, actually work with people in the world that have too much money. Yeah. But I know that none of us are going to do anything about it because we're all so tired. <laughs> yeah. If you have the same general distaste for those type of people as we do, but uh, more vigor and uh, stick go-getter spirit, then uh, yeah, go for it. That's a free one for you, the listener. Uh, all, all great stuff there. Lee, where do we close this one out? It's all fantastic stuff. I I really like um, that as kind of an umbrella over this whole episode is um, the importance of being willing to to do some analysis about your life, about the way that you spend your time, about who you spend that time with, and being willing to be honest about whether or not it's working. It's it is so important. That kind of thing is so important. 
and being willing to be surprisable um, about things that I, I might not give a shot to otherwise, but it turns out they're really cool or they bring me a lot of peace or they just literally lower my heart rate. Like when I do this, my heart rate goes down and the tension in my back relaxes or my posture is different. Those are the kinds of things to pay attention to. And those are questions to ask yourself. I love that, that, that really the tenor of this whole episode is uh, aiming us at that kind of situation. Am I willing to analyze my life and look at what works and what doesn't? I love that you brought up this, this kind of cliche of God's got this. Jed dealt with this some, and I, I want to look at it ju- just for a second before we close out again. Uh, like Jed said, it, this could be a completely banal and meaningless phrase. God's got this. You put it on a t-shirt or a coffee mug or whatever. It's completely meaningless. But there is actually some stuff behind there if we understand who God is and what the relationship that he wants to have with us is like. God in the scriptures, God promises that he is actually present with those who are walking with him, like who know him, who've called out to him, that he's actually present with you. He also promises that he offers wisdom to whoever lacks wisdom and wants to ask for it. I loved how Jed said, God's got this doesn't mean that you just exist and everything just works out. Like you just like an amoeba going through your life and everything just works out because God's just orchestrating everything. That's not really the way that works, but God is highly interested in your growth as a person. And so as a result, he very often allows us to be in situations that are tough. And I don't know why he does this. And I don't often like it, or I didn't sign up for it. Certainly where I'm going to have to appeal to him for some strategies and some wisdom that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. He actually wants to be in that process with you. God's got this is not a phrase that is meaningless necessarily. It can be, it can be a totally cliche, meaningless thing, but it could be a thing where I realize God, what God's got this means is he is deeply involved in my life. He's present with me now, and he wants to work with me. He wants me to actually appeal to him for some wisdom, for some strategies, for something to do so that I can actually grow through a situation. And he wants to be there to, to support me emotionally and help me walk through that, all that stuff. If, if we let this just be a meaningly, meaningless cliche phrase, there's just nothing behind it. But if we actually look at okay, well, who is God actually? And what is the relationship he wants with us? Then we realize, actually, he wants me to appeal to him to, to come up with some strategies and to, and to come to him for some wisdom on how to walk through this. When we approach it from that angle, then that's actually a pretty meaningful thing. God's got the whole world in his hands, but he has a relationship with me individually. And he wants to give me wisdom. He wants to give me strategies. He wants to give me peace. He wants to give me help. He loves me and cares about me. And he and I walking through this together is actually something he's very interested in. So I would look at it from that perspective and I would go to him often, early and often, and ask for wisdom and practical strategies on what do I do next. That is a fantastic answer, a great place to, a great thing to add to what Jed gave us at the beginning there. One thing I would I would tack on to this and this idea is the idea of God's got this is often used, as these guys have pointed out, in a very typically kind of churchy way of either saying, you don't have to think about this because, you know, such things are beyond your understanding, but God is taking care of this problem, which, again, on some level is true theologically, but very, very unhelpful practically and very, very unhelpful to someone who has a real problem. If someone is laying on the ground bleeding going, well, actually he who binds the universe together uh, knows all about you and really cares about the, the way the intestines he woven in you, which are now on the sidewalk, but he knows that this is not <laughs> true though. It may be from a, a systematic theology standpoint, not wildly helpful to someone who's going through a hard time. And the other end of the spectrum of how this is used is someone who says, God has got this, and I know exactly how. I know exactly the answer, and I'd like to tell you that. Yeah. I'd give you my opinion, but ha- with the strong implication that God is co-signing and everything I'm going to tell you. And that's also a little sketchy. And as in a lot of things, the answer lies somewhere in between, I think, in a 
a an accurate and helpful interpretation of the idea that that God has this is exactly what Lee starts with exactly what Lee gave us there. God is cares about the your you and this issue. He isn't involved in this, but there's probably something for you to do in that. And the odds of the clouds parting and you getting a a written checklist for what those things to do is pretty slim. Hasn't happened to many of us yet. So you need to think, think, think about things. You need to look for good advice. You need to look for what steps are in front of you. And you need to do that with the knowledge that God is on your side. He does care about you. He is involved. You've not been cast to the winds of fate, but that does not, to take us back to where Jed starts in this, that doesn't mean you are totally off the hook for doing anything either through the hollow idea of just total victory without you having to do anything. But here's the other part, and maybe where some of us lean on living the other side, you also aren't off the hook for doing anything because you just get to abandon yourself to despair. Yep. You're gonna, there's some, something good can come of this. You will survive and move through this thing you are facing right now, but you're going to have to get off your butt and do some stuff about it at some point, which is, not what any of us want to hear. Certainly not what I want to hear when I have a problem, but we that's where we do take that under underlying um the underlying encouragement that God is on your side, He is involved. There's a plan, but it is not going to happen all around you necessarily. You do have to get involved, and you can get involved because of the, the good with the kind of good advice and encouragement that these guys gave you on this question. All right, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask if you want to keep that entirely anonymous. Tell the song this week. A very solid New Year's footing to take you out with a Jed penned worship song called Ooh. I Am New. Tell that just thanks for listening. Yeah. Just remember we love you, God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let me get y'all to put your hands together for me. Let's go back to the start of that song, Stephanie. Say
All right, y'all, pray with me. Lord Jesus, we want our lives to be different than what they are.